Thank you again for watching and for listening to the seventh of our messages entitled Blessings from the Boat. Today my wife Pat, after a short introduction, is going to tell her side of the story. Pat's, one of Pat's favorite verses of scripture is 1 John 2 and verse 8. The darkness has passed and the true light now shineth. Let's just pause for a moment's prayer, please. Father, we thank you again today for your love and your grace and your mercy toward us. We thank thee for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that has no barriers or borders. And we thank thee that the whosoever will may come. And whether we're Catholics or Protestants or black or white or Jew or gentle, Christ died for us all and rose again for our sins. We pray, Lord, as this message goes forth again today, that thou will bless it to those who listen to it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. When the Remembrance Sunday, Poppy Day Bomb exploded in Enniskillen in November 1987, killing 12 people and injuring 63, it happened just at the gates of the Convent of Mercy, where my wife Pat attended for many years. A week or so after that incident, we wrote a letter to the editors of a number of Irish newspapers, and we headed it with the question, can Roman Catholic and Protestant live together? A number of them responded, and a number of them printed it. We told them how that we as neighbours uh, from childhood knew one another, and while we were from different backgrounds, uh, I, a Protestant and Pat, a Roman Catholic, different religious views, different political views, and how within 12 hours of one another on a May day came to know Christ as our Saviour. Strangely enough, neither of us knew what the other had done until that evening. The night before, uh, on the Whit Sunday, before I was converted on the Monday morning and Pat on the Sunday night, we went down for what we thought was a night of dancing and carousal in the seaside town of Bundorn. But instead of going there by the divine uh, movings of God, we ended up in the Irish Evangelistic Band Whitson Conference. And there, on that, in that meeting, Pat heard something that touched her heart and something that was going to change her life forever. And I'm going to now let Pat tell her side of the story. And may the Lord bless you, and thank you so much for listening to us both. And if any of you want to contact us, I'm going to give you a contact number, our landline, 028-87-78-4434. God bless you. Now Pat's going to speak. Yes, we knew each other from 
children. And uh, that was it. But I was born into a Catholic home. And I'm not ashamed of that this evening. I thank God for the parents that he gave me, for the things that they taught me, and for the love that they showed us. There had been seven children, but three had died very, very suddenly. Three little coffins went out of our home one morning. My father carried three coffins out with a wee boy of four, a boy of two and a half, and a little girl of three weeks. So that was a, quite a, 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 a sad affair, wasn't it? So then I came after that, and that brought life back into the home again. But anyway, in this home, I, all the Catholic religion was taught and adhered to. And uh, my mother was a very devout Catholic, and she really did pray and trust in that faith. However, my uh, memories were of Mass. Mass was a must on a Sunday, but in our house we went to Mass every day, every morning at half past eight. The chapel wasn't far from our home, right enough. But that was part of the routine. Went to Mass fasting. You didn't get your breakfast and you didn't get it when you got home either. You just went up to school then. My mother was a principal teacher of a country school. And uh, she, she filled a wee van of us all and carried us up the country roads away up into the hills of, of Fermanagh to, to educate us. Now our focus, my focus would have been mainly on, on Mary, the mother of Christ. Yes, we had heard about Jesus and we, I knew about Jesus. I knew that he was born at Christmas or we celebrated his birth at Christmas. And uh, I knew then that he, he died. I knew that he'd been a very special person that he died on a cross, and that he was resurrected on the third day. But there was nothing more than that. It was just information that went into my head and nothing else. We had rosary beads, we had statues, we had candles. Every evening, around seven o'clock, my mother would gather us round, lit the two candles on either side of the Virgin Mary, and we took our rosary beads and we prayed that rosary given over to Mary. After that, then, there was a litany of beautiful words given over to her, and we thought my mother would never stop many a time. But however, the, those, those were the things. Now, did God and his son have any meaning in my life? I would say no, because of the other things that took over, like the, the Virgin Mary, the saints, the, the other saints, the other things in the church and in the chapel. Did I know about sin? Yes, I did, because I had to go to confession to, 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 to confess it. I took Holy Communion. Did I really know what that was, that it was the blood of Jesus Christ? Not really. All of these things were packed into a little girl's head, and it was all religion, and it was all information. But there was nothing really after that, nothing at all. Then, um, how was I to be rescued? How was I to hear about the Lord Jesus? Never was there a mission in our home town. Came from the little town of Derry Gonley in Fermanagh, if you know, at the other side of Enniskillen. And now our door was never knocked at any time with an invitation to a mission. It was never knocked with a, a tract. 
We escaped all that. I don't know where their people at any time did that. I know it's been done since. But in those days, there was no uh, outreach. There was nobody that came to that home to tell us about a mission or to tell us about the Lord Jesus. So how was I to hear? How was I to know that there was a saviour that could save me, that there was somebody, there was good news that I hadn't heard. Well, God had a plan, and God has a plan tonight, hallelujah, for your life and for mine. I was in my mid-twenties when I met Bertie, and that was nothing short of an unholy alliance. It was an unholy alliance. (laughs) It was unacceptable. There were no grounds to work on. Bertie had no religion. He had no church, and he just lived life to the full. And that was it. But he found in me a religious freak. That's what he said. Uh, having to attend every mass and everything, everything in the church. And, uh, well, I convinced him that he was missing out badly. That um, he needed, in this, person, in this va- uh, body of ours, there's a vacuum that only God can fill. Well, God had filled mine with Catholicism, but he had filled his with nothing. So that his was still empty. So I wanted, I told him that it needed to be filled. And of course, I was producing my theories before him. And then that led to questions. And he would question me about, what, about the Mass and about the confession and why did I need to go? And I gave him the answers as best I could. But when I would go home, I realized that there was more. And I realized too that I was being questioned about my religion and I wasn't able really to answer. I was just like a wee robot, going to mass, going to confession, going to communion, coming home, doing the rosary, and every week and every week. And it was meaning very little. And why was I doing it? So the best thing to find out in this situation was to go and get help. Now, I didn't go to my local priest in Derry Gonley, but I went to the monastery just about seven miles from our home. It was called the Gran, and it was run by the Jesuits. And they were really special men, men of God that I believed then, and men that uh, were... We were, we were respectful of them and fearful of them because we knew that they were special. So I went to the, uh, the, the monastery this day and I decided this really was my problem. I needed to find out things for me, not mention Bertie at all. So I was received by a, a Jesuit, a priest, and he, I t- told him these things. And then he said to me, oh, he said that's... That's nothing. Young people often go through times of questioning and so on. He said, I'll give you a book. Just go home and read this book and it'll answer all those questions. And I was quite relieved because I was, I was really afraid going in, you know, that he would devour me. But uh, the book anyway wasn't even there. He said, oh, I give it to somebody. Uh, you have to come back in about three weeks, pick up the book and read it. So you see, I thought, well, that, that's all right. That gets me out of it. And I go over to the door to come out, and I turned around, and for some reason I said, you know, I'm, I'm going out with somebody who's not a Catholic. And it's because of his questions that I'm here tonight. He's, he's questioned. So he, he said, I think we'll come back to the table and sit down. 
So back to the table we went, and by that time, Bertie and I had been going out about a year, and he, he had gathered from that that he was the one that was really interested, and I was the stumbling block. He said, why did you not get him here? If he's asking all those questions, you should have brought him here. And so the answer was, get him here, and I'd instruct him. So I thought, well, I didn't know how that would pan out, or if I suggested that. But anyway, I'm going to take you now to Sunday the 31st of May, 1970. It found us on the road going to Bundorn. Now, Bundorn was not a, not a strange place to us. Bundorn was our, uh, our nearest beach. And uh, we played there. We went there as children. And then we grew up and we went, kept going there because we, there were hotels and bars and, and the dance hall, the biggest story of ballroom. So um, we were heading to this hotel. The night was planned out for us. And then we were going to the dance. It was Sunday. Why would I go to a dance on Sunday? Well, I hadn't been told that it was a, it was a sin. I'd been to Mass. As long as I'd been to Mass, it was everything was okay. You could even put a, a bet on a horse. It was all right if you didn't go overboard. Everything was all right to a measure in the church. Anyway, here we are. Um, when we arrived at the hotel, there was a little notice on the door, just closed. Very unusual. Very, very unusual. Here's the first question. Now what? What do you do? Well, we go for a walk, go for a drive, uh, have a bag of chips somewhere. But this is what came out of my mouth. Bertie, you take me to church. Now, what a clangor that was. Bertie didn't go to church. I knew that. So what did I want him, or how did I think he could take me to church? And... Um, you notice that I didn't say chapel, so we knew fine rightly it was church, it was a Protestant church. I don't know where it came from, other than I know it came from the Lord, it had to be. The Holy Spirit was there. But take me to church. Well, I realised the futility of it. There was no, nobody came with invitations, there was nobody on the street doing an open air that made me think, oh, there's a church. We, Bertie tried to convince me that there wouldn't be a church. He said, Bundoran is 99.5% Roman Catholic. How would you find, you wouldn't find a church here. So I said, well, we, there must be a church somewhere. And I'm getting out to look. And as most women do, they just don't let the men overrule. They, I got out and walked up. And, you know, there we, had a, we wouldn't have walked 10 steps. And there was a Methodist church. And... We weren't, we weren't to miss it because at, on the railings there was this bright green fluorescent paper and it was announcing that the IEB, the Irish Evangelistic Band, were having their Whitson Convention. So I didn't know really what that was, but I sort of thought this looked like a church. I looked round because he was kind of behind me and I looked at us and he just went like, yeah, maybe. So took my first step and then I went. There was this urgency. What was this urgency to go to church? Now where? The Methodist Church. This little Methodist Church. The speaker was the Reverend Sidney Martin. Where had this notion come from? It was still God's plan. God's plan is beginning to unfold a little further. 
they were singing. Now, I went, when I went in, there was a back seat. You know, I still love the back seat, don't you? But there was, fortunately, there was a back seat. I wondered, you know, often when the people, when the pastor, the minister looked down and maybe, maybe some other man, and he looked and he saw, oh my word, those two. Well, Bertie was in blue suede shoes. He had a, a greenish uh, khaki kind of suit, drain pipe trousers. Those cut right back, no hair. And I was in a, a corduroy Lee Cooper miniskirt with the big thick heels and the bright buckles. And here we were in the back seat. Would that have put him off, I wonder? What, or would he have thought, oh my, how am I going to get around these pair? Who are they? We certainly didn't blend in so well, but here we are in this little church. And they were singing. Of course, I didn't know what they were singing. And a wee bit of fear came on me. I thought, oh, I'll be excommunicated if anybody knows that I've been in church. This is a Protestant church. And I thought there'd be a spell put on me. There'd be curses put on me. But that was taken away. And then, you know, I settled down and I looked around and I thought, this church was, it had blue paint, it had just chairs and our, our seats and a pulpit. Where was the religious things? I mean, I came from statues, uh, incense, candles, beauty, uh, stations of the cross. There wasn't anything holy here. So I thought, you know, no wonder he doesn't go to church. Like, what would bring you here? There's nothing here would draw you. So you can see that I'm looking for the outward signs of religion. But they weren't there. Now, the, the minister got up, the Reverend Sidney Martin, he'd come from Scotland, and he most likely read the scriptures, I know, but I don't remember what they were, and I'm sure Bertie doesn't either. But just during his sermon, no, at no time, at no time, and we were at the back seat and we could have just slipped out. There was nobody barred the door. There was nobody standing in front of it. We could have walked out. But for some reason, even though I didn't understand, or I didn't hear the singing, I didn't know anything, I sat there. And um, the minister started to speak about his, his message. But in his message, I don't know how far, he stopped. And he said, you know, I want to tell you how I had the joy of leading a Roman Catholic girl to the Lord just before coming to this convention. And the two words that I understood were Roman Catholic. And I thought, oh, I wonder what he's going to say, thinking that he was going to say something. And he moved out right over to my side. And he says, let me tell you about her. We'll just call her Mary. He said, Mary worked with a girl who was a Christian. And he said, she just opened up her heart one day and she said, you know, I, I, I just don't feel I'm, I'm, I'm not all that happy and I don't know what's wrong with me. And uh, bit by bit, this girl had shared with her over, over weeks or the time she'd worked with her about the Lord and she'd seen something in her life. So anyway, this girl said to her, would you like to come and talk to my minister? And she said, she was a wee bit hesitant. She says, Mary, uh, you know, he'll not embarrass you and he'll not intimidate you in any way and he'll not he'll not ask you to leave your church just talk to him so she agreed 
And off she went to his manse in Scotland. And when she came that day, she had nothing with her. Just when she went in, she was very nervous. And he said, Mary, he said, just relax. Just tell me what, what you know about, about Jesus. Tell me what you know. And Mary thought, well, he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And he grew up to be a very special man. And he healed the sick and the blind, done such good work. And he had 12 disciples and a bit of that. And then, and then he went, he died on a cross. And on the third day, he rose again. And, and, and that, yes, that was it. And it was nearly just the same as I would have said. He said, that's, that's good, Mary. And he said, Mary, in the scripture says, all our uh, good works, the good works that Mary had done, the masses she went to, went to the praying she had done, the, the scripture says they're like filthy rags. They're like filthy rags. And he explained to Mary that it's not by works of righteousness. It wasn't by, by working. This, this great sacrifice had been offered at Calvary. The cross where she had left, finished about the cross and the resurrection. He said, Mary, do you know why Jesus went to the cross? And she, she hesitated and she didn't really answer. And he said, he went for you and he went for me. He died for you and he died. He was your substitute. And Mary, for the first time, heard the gospel, heard the gospel that, that she needed a saviour, that her sins, and she couldn't re remove them by, by, by works because Christ had already done that. On the cross, he had taken her pain, her shame. So the work was done by Jesus on the cross, just believe and receive. And this was the first time that I had been told in a language that I understood that I was a sinner. I realized that even though I've been to confession hundreds of times, yet and all, here I am tonight, I'm still a sinner. And I can't, even though I, he, the priest forgiven me, but I need God's forgiveness because he has done it already for me. So the gospel, the good news was for the whosoever. That night, as Mary talked to that uh, minister, he explained to her the way of the cross he explained to her about her sin. He explained to her about not by works. And she opened up her heart and gave her heart to the Lord and prayed the sinner's prayer. And you know, I never heard the rest of the sermon. I never remember shaking Mr. Martin's hand going out the door. But just going across the street to the hotel, which would now be open, I reached Bertie's hand and I said, no, not tonight. And he looked at me again in amazement and he said, I said, not tonight. I've never felt so near God in all my life. Just take me home. What was God doing to a Catholic girl? Well, God, had, God was waiting for me in that church. God was drawing me from, well, he knew about me. He knit me in my mother's womb. And this was not a surprise to him. He was drawing this individual. That night, I came back into the flat that I lived in, and I and Bertie just left because the whole evening was topsy-turvy. Who would have thought that he would have been in church? Who would have thought that I'd have been in a Protestant church? This whole evening was, was upside down.
But that night when I got back into, the, into my flat, I got on my knees. I didn't have my rosary beads. I didn't need my prayer book. I just said, Lord, what I heard tonight was amazing. But Lord, would you do for me what you've done for Mary in Scotland? Just give me what you gave her. You see, I didn't know the word saved. I didn't know born again. I didn't know redeemed. That's all I could say. Give me what you gave Mary. And hallelujah, I got it. Praise the Lord. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. By faith, receive the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. A home reserved for me in heaven. From darkness into light. I was thinking of that um, we hymn tonight. Once I was in darkness. Because now my eyes can see. I was lost, but Jesus found me. Oh, what love he offers. Oh, what peace he gives. I would sing forevermore he lives. Hallelujah. Conversion. It was a wonderful night when God stepped in after Brundorn and saved our souls. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that couldn't satisfy, but then I heard my Saviour speaking, draw from my well. You see, a new world had opened up for me. It wasn't just the end of it that night. It's been ongoing for 53 years. That's who, that's who has sustained us, that who has led us, that who has kept us. He has guided us every step of the way. Every step is getting brighter.